0: And welcome to the R. Jackson Home Podcast. This week, I'm joined by Jared Myarkle. He's the Chief Academic Officer for the Madison Jackson Madison County School System. Welcome to the podcast. Good to be here, Kevin. Uh, It's is it Dr. Jared? Yes. So it's Dr. Jared. Sorry about that. Okay, that's okay. Um. So you, uh, we see you running all over town to the different schools and and publishing articles online about uh, academics.
1: But who is Jared? Depends on who you ask, I guess. Yeah, where are you from? <laughs> uh, South Jackson, almost to Pinson. And so you're a local local guy? Sure, yeah. I grew up in the system, attended schools in Jackson all the way up, so working at home.
0: That's great. And yeah. then uh, where did you uh, where'd you go from here? From um, yeah, school?
1: so I graduated from Southside High School and uh, then went to Union University to major in history and minor in education. And uh, knew I wanted to be a history teacher all along.
0: Yeah, so is that what you did when you initially got through?
1: Yeah, I actually had the, the most interesting first year of teaching uh, ever. I was a middle school social studies teacher. I taught 6th, 7th, and 8th grade social studies. Mm-hmm. I was the computer lab monitor, the head football <laughs> coach, the assistant basketball coach. And I painted the lines in the parking lot that summer. So... Yeah. Did it all year one. That is a hard hustle. <laughs> and where was that at? In Sharon, Tennessee, in Weakley County. Okay. Almost a Martin.
0: Yeah. So what? Uh, what is your favorite part of history to, to teach on then?
1: Uh, the, I have two that I can't choose between. Uh, the American Revolution mm-hmm. and the Civil Rights Movement.
0: Okay. So I've been on a deep dive on... Um, I never really liked anything pre-World War II. Okay. Um... When I was a student, because I was a history minor at okay. Union, um, and I and then uh, last summer I saw Hamilton, yeah, and it and I was in D.C. and it, it triggered this like I've been reading revolutionary war books nonstop for the last year. Nice, um, and uh, it's a it's a fascinating world, um, and so like what's such a lucky thing that we exist. Right, right, <laughs> yes. Um, so you're a history teacher. Yes. And uh, numerous other things. Yeah. what, what triggered the acad- the move into administration?
1: Um, you know, it was just a, a natural progression. Uh, taught for a few years and I really enjoyed it, loved the classroom, uh, but just wanted to kind of continue to develop my skill set mm-hmm. and uh, had a lot of interest in getting into administration. so, Pursued graduate degrees through Trevecca Nazarene in Nashville. Did a master's and a doctorate there. Mm -hmm. And uh, actually became an assistant principal at Medina Middle School. And then I was an assistant principal at Gibson County High School where I actually used to teach. Mm -hmm. So that was interesting uh, to be an administrator in the same building where I used to teach. But it's all about relationships. So as long as you have good relationships with people, you know, you can change roles and still, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, not turn into the bad guy just because you're now, uh, an administrator, but got into the district office there, uh, was the high school supervisor for several years, uh, was the assistant superintendent in McNary County schools over operations and human resources and, you know, all the business side of education, yeah. uh, consulted for a little while, uh, got out on the road and did that. And then when Dr. Jones was named here, he and I actually have a funny, uh, funny story for how we met uh, I was a student teacher at Liberty when I was at Union and it was his first year as assistant principal mm-hmm. and, and he thought he saw me in the hall one morning and thought I was a student <laughs> so he's barking at me to report to the gym and I'm like I think I'm supposed to teach ninth graders world history uh, and so uh, that's how Eric Jones and I met Yeah. Uh, and so uh, when he came and uh, was named superintendent here I was more than willing to, to join the team and start to get things on the right track.
0: Yeah. So I I can see the, you know, you'd lose something in the jump from the classroom to the on-campus, but you're still with the students. Sure. So so then the jump from on-campus administration to like a central office, talk to me about that mind space.
1: Yeah, you... When you leave the classroom and become an administrator, there's a certain contact you lose with students. You don't know them as well personally, you lose some of those uh, connections. But you find value in other things where you're sort of spreading your reach a little bit. Same thing happens when you go from a school to a district. You kind of, it's a transition, you kind of have to find your place uh, and know that you're supporting the people that are on the front lines with students. But you still find your ways of making connections and feeling like you still can see the day-to-day work that's taking place and the mm-hmm. progress that's occurring. So uh, it's tough because teachers, we, we love the impact and having the impact on students. Mm-hmm. So the farther away from that you get, it, it does, you know, you struggle with that. I think everyone who's made that transition would say the same. But again, you find ways to, to fill those voids when you see that you're able to reach a broader number. When, was it, when did you know that you wanted to be a teacher? In high school. I, I was one of those kids that didn't really struggle with what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. It was like I really only had like two things. It's when CSI first came out, and I thought I wanted to do that. <laughs> Dr. Dockery at, at Union was like, we don't offer that. So I was like, all right, then I'll be a history teacher. Yeah. <laughs> and so that was it. That uh, was it. Yeah, those were my two choices.
0: <laughs> That's great. Um, and then, so when you started in central office, what were you doing?
1: I was the high school supervisor for uh, Gibson County High School and South Gibson County High School.
0: What, what does that even mean? Because that's cause like, they have principals. They do.
1: And there's a superintendent. Yeah. In a small district like Gibson County, well, first of all, that was just one of the things that I did. So <laughs> Once to get multiple things. Yeah, so I was the district grant coordinator. I had several things going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but in a small district like that, you function as part of the building level administrative team, so... I sort of, sort of cast the vision for what we wanted to accomplish in the high schools and yeah. worked with the principals to accomplish that. So I still did uh, a lot of teacher evaluations, uh, was in mm-hmm. classrooms every day. So it is a little bit closer than in Jackson where we have 23 mm-hmm. different schools. And then you said you spent some time as a consultant. Yeah, I worked, I uh, actually got to be part of a team that launched a startup. I was the third employee. Uh, which was terrifying. Yeah. (laughs) So we we launched a startup called District to District. That was the original name. It's now called Instruction Partners. And what we did was to go into districts and to do some audits in terms of um, how well their curriculum lined up with the state's standards and what kids uh, really needed to be doing according to research. And then we tried to connect district, hence the name, District Mm -hmm. to District, we tried to connect districts that had good practices and to support them while they implemented better curriculum. And so uh, we worked with uh, over 40 districts in the state of Tennessee. Uh, I got to travel to Florida and work with a lot of districts in Florida—not the good part of Florida. <laughs> I, the, the, I called my dad from a hotel one night, as a Best Western somewhere in the middle of Florida, and I was like, "There are cows and palm trees outside of my window right now." It's an interesting combo. Um, yeah, so that—that's what that was.
0: And so, is it then that you developed the passion for curriculum, or was that something previous? It—it
1: it, it was an evolution. Um, you know, back when I was working in Gibson County, we did a lot of of work trying to make sure we had. Strong materials in classrooms, but when I started consulting, and I, I could see a lot of districts making the same mistake over and over and over, mm-hmm. that a strong curriculum can help fix. And so when we when you pair that with a lot of the research around curriculum and early literacy, it's kind of a no brainer. Uh, but it's a situation in the world of education right now where a lot of people are still making the same mistakes. Mm-hmm. So you know we we. Tried to set out and get that right here in Jackson.
0: Yeah. Um, then personally, oh, you know, what do you do for fun?
1: Um, besides work, <laughs> <laughs> because we, uh, contrary to popular beliefs, schools don't actually close and shut down at three o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. Um, you know, I spend time with family. I have a jeep uh, that I get and take the top off and just ride around the county. Mm-hmm. My my goal is to drive down. Every street and road in Madison County, and so I've discovered some fun places yeah. uh, over the last few years. Uh, when I have time, I like to golf, uh, but that's that's not as much uh, something that I get to do mm-hmm. anymore. Um, so yeah, if you see me driving around in the Jeep, a uh, red Jeep with the top off, listening to you know. Uh, like Merle Haggard or Led Zeppelin, like, that's me, uh, and I'm just... That's Weekend, Jared. Yeah, that's Weekend, Jared. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. All right, well, let's take a quick
0: break, and we'll come back and talk more about the education uh, and the curriculum and why that's important. From our front porch to yours, this is Art Jackson. Back with the R. Jackson Home Podcast. I'm here with Jared Myracle, Doctor Jared. He is <laughs> the Chief Academic Officer for the Jackson, Mass. County School System. Uh, so you were talking about the curriculum, and that there's some, um, and and I'm not an educator. And once I got done with school, I plan to never go back. <laughs> um, one of the reasons I work for myself, and but the curriculum like is not something that I feel like most people would ever think about.
1: Yeah,
0: and explain to me you were talking about some studies and things and big mistakes people make and talk to me more about that.
1: Okay, so the first mistake we make is we assume that teachers have what they need to teach. Mm -hmm. Uh, Teachers are not trained in curriculum development when they go through their teacher education programs. Yeah. That's something that takes lots of graduate degrees and years and years of research (laughs) to be able to do well. What are teachers trained in then? Teachers are trained mostly in instructional strategies, some of the basic things around how to structure a lesson, Mm -hmm. things that are effective to do beginning, middle, and end, ways to respond to students that have various learning needs, Uh some behavioral elements, but they're not necessarily trained in the science of, this is what great curriculum looks like in all of first grade, or all of kindergarten through fifth grade. Uh, So the curriculum is different
0: than that, what to teach how to teach something right or the what to do in the beginning, middle the end of the lesson right Those are different things. yes
1: we talk about it in Jackson as there's there's two things we got to get it right. what we teach and how we teach. The teacher's job is to nail the how we teach part the okay. strategies. We need to provide them with what they're teaching Gotcha. and there's several reasons why. I mean number one is so that they don't have to make it. Uh, mm-hmm. When I was a teacher, I stayed up until midnight, 1 o'clock in the morning, making what I was going to teach the next day. I've heard stories about that. Right. Our teachers shouldn't have to do that. We should provide that for them. They should spend their time thinking, this is what I'm going to teach. How can I teach this in the most effective way to the mm-hmm. kids in my class, knowing where they're coming from, learning deficits they might have, etc." cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing, you know, at a district level is, uh, why would we not want to make sure that the same... First grade math lessons are taking place in every first grade math class. Don't we want all of our fourth grade English students to be doing the same thing? Yeah. Especially in Jackson, we over thirty percent of our students change schools at least one time during the school year. Okay. So when you go from one school to the next, if you can pick up right where you left off, which I was actually in a classroom this year when this happened, a student moved from Thelma Barker to Andrew Jackson. And they walked straight into reading the same book and felt right at home uh, versus going and talking about one thing there and something totally different here. So there's there's an element of consistency Mm -hmm. as well that, that becomes a very powerful tool for us when we talk about curriculum implementation.
0: How do teachers feel about being told what to teach?
1: Yeah, that's a tricky conversation. So I'll say, and this is totally to our teachers' credit, by and large it has been extremely positive Mm -hmm. in terms of the curriculum implementation here because they lacked some fundamental resources. They were excited to actually have what they needed to teach. Um, There's always an element of, well, maybe I'm losing some autonomy or creativity. But again, we've tried to coach them on expressing that through the delivery of the lesson and to sort of let go of getting so caught up about, again, the what is actually being taught. And there's some tremendous examples of that. We have some very creative people. Um, But again, we want our teachers to spend the majority of their time thinking about how to teach those things the most effectively to the students, not sitting around trying to create everything they have to teach. Yeah,
0: now is this a a new thing? Or, because I feel like all the stories I've heard from teachers, in the past has been that they've got it they stay up all night making their stuff for the next day.
1: Yeah. This is new. So this is one of the things that we diagnosed when we started in the district in the Well summer. not just
0: here, but like oh. is it globally a new thing or is this something that different districts have done for a long time or
1: uh it's a mixed bag, but I would say the vast majority of districts don't have a set curriculum that they use in every subject area. That's interesting. But but we put our finger on it immediately, uh, from from my background from Dr. Jones's background we started it was like the biggest most glaring need when we started in the summer of 2017 and in the span of the last you know 20 months we've been able to put math curriculum english curriculum science curriculum and then we'll have social studies ready next fall so are you are you Dr. Jared building the curriculum or are you buying it from somewhere else how does that work? no we're not we're not Building it, we're, we're taking the best research that exists around how kids learn how to read mm-hmm. and then aligning that with curriculum that exists that we know can help our children read mm-hmm. and putting that in place. And so we've done that for each grade level in math and English. And like I said, science and social studies are kind of the last two things that we're, we're doing.
0: Interesting. And so, and I guess that wouldn't apply to necessarily like some extra, like, non-core subjects
1: yeah those are holes we have to fill in over time but you take something like reading like you take a city like Jackson where a tremendous number of students live in poverty mm-hmm. have very adverse conditions in mm-hmm. their home life and then you know we have 150 kindergarten first, second uh, and third grade teachers that are trying to teach them how to read in different ways. Well, that's not the teacher's fault. They haven't been provided with what they need to do their job. Mm-hmm. And so we've put a lot of energy in the last two years into making sure our, our youngest, our, the teachers who have our youngest students mm-hmm. are consistently implementing uh, the, the ways that research says kids learn how to read. And that's a heavy uh, phonics-based approach. Uh, a lot of us were taught to read that way. Some of us weren't. But if kids know how to manipulate the sounds within the English language, they can do that for the rest of their life and, and be much better readers. And so the focus has been on the early
0: education, and I'm assuming this kind of principle plays out through high school too?
1: It does. I mean, we've, we've implemented curricula at all grade levels. Okay. So all grade levels, kindergarten to 12th grade, got English curriculum, mm-hmm. same thing for math. Um, but we know this is a generational shift, and so we have to get it right with our youngest students so that 10 years from now, Jackson Madison County Schools looks dramatically different in terms mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. what students across all grade levels are able mm-hmm. to do. Um, one of the other
0: uh, components that you've been pushing a lot is the uh, is the work based learning. Yes, so ta- tell me about that because like, and and full disclosure, I've done some video work for this yes. program. Um, but for those that aren't aware, like you, you literally have students leaving school in the middle of the day and going and working.
1: Right. It's I I think we're taking kind of a bookends approach. If we can get it right with our youngest students, mm-hmm. teach them how to read in a way that's sustainable, same thing mm-hmm. thinking about math conceptually, and then on the other end of the spectrum provide opportunities that are real, that kids see and say like there's value in this that they're going to apply themselves towards that with a greater level of vigor mm-hmm. than if it's just like hey, it's your senior year, you've got to take, you know, whatever for the fifth time. Uh, and so, yeah, we have kids in factories all over the city and uh, in, in commercial kitchens. Uh, people don't realize the amount of flexibility that we actually have with our high school students once they get their base uh, graduation requirements mm-hmm. settled. And so we're, we're definitely leveraging that to provide kids with some really great options at some of the factories in town and businesses. I and mean, we've got kids taking home five, $600 a month, yeah. uh, which is great for a high school student because they're doing that during the school day yeah. still knocking out their uh, graduation requirements yeah. so yeah he said that there's
0: options you could almost say there's also opportunities
1: <laughs> yeah hashtag #options and opportunities
0: um and and then you know the future of education uh i feel like is you know things like this are becoming more common right with the, you know kids working and then the curriculum being the same but the um at least in our community i feel like our teachers are doing more uh, than just teaching anymore
1: yeah I mean they, kids come in with lots of uh, issues that come out of their home lives our uh, teachers function almost as social workers in the classroom uh, they have to know how to almost read a student as they walk in the door and, and make sure that everything is good to go before they can really lean into their mm. uh, lessons for the day uh, The the terminology right now in education is adverse childhood experience mm-hmm. ACEs. or aces yeah yeah uh and so being aware of what a student's aces score is uh by tallying up all the various things that have gone on mm-hmm. and using that to sort of inform how you work with that student yeah because if you have three
0: or more aces you are highly highly probable to end up on drugs or in prison sure and, yeah my, my my wife and I are foster parents okay. and so we've We've been through some Aces training, and it's right. it's a terrifying thing. Yeah. Like th- just three of them, and you're statistically go up huge. And like I know, uh, all three of my children that we're fostering have multiple Aces, like enough to be in that qualification. It's hard to imagine how many students that our teachers are working with are either at that level or above. Right,
1: and that's why I'm so proud of the progress that the school district is making because. A lot of our kids beat the odds every day mm-hmm. just by making it to school mm-hmm. uh, and so when they walk into a school and they're provided with world-class curriculum mm-hmm. very very strong teaching uh, that's a life-changing experience for that child and we're, we're starting to see that come out in very measurable ways, it's a lot to be proud of if you're a part of the, you know, jackson Masson County Schools family. Mm-hmm. So what are some, can
0: you, um, I didn't prep you for that number and you don't have sheets in front of you, but maybe you know some of those off the top of your head.
1: Yeah, I mean, we went from, you know, like five schools out of our 23 schools last year that met growth expectations to half of our schools met growth expectations from the state just in one school year. Mm -hmm. Um, 17 out of our 23 schools met the literacy expectations that the state uh, put in place. Uh, We had twice as many kindergarten students this year that scored above average on a phonics test uh, this winter. It's something that we give every year. Uh, And that number went from 26% to 52% just in one year with this new foundational mm-hmm. skills curriculum that our kindergarten teachers are using. So there are lots of dots to look at to say, hey, our kids are doing it. Yeah. Uh, you look on the other end of the spectrum, we went from having students only take uh, 300 or so college classes two years ago, uh, to this year we have 2300 college classes being taken what? in the school system. That's crazy. So it's incredible. we tripled the number of students that are earning industry certifications just in the past two years so there's a lot of great stuff to be proud of and a lot of teachers have their uh hands on this and they're the ones doing the work but it's fun at the district level mm-hmm. to be able to sort of chart the course and then support everyone that's actually doing the work and see the big picture of yeah
0: of all the the like it's not just your classroom it's not just that one student it's like it's happening all over
1: right and and what people don't realize is that we have other districts from all over the state calling and coming to visit and mm-hmm. you know People in the community don't always get to see that part, but, uh, you know, that's always fun to see our teachers being recognized by other folks in the education world mm-hmm. uh, because that definitely makes them feel good to know that someone wants to come see what they're doing. So,
0: You know, with moves to this and, and teachers dealing with more than they used to, what does the future of education look like to you?
1: Um, I think we have to take a more... Uh, scientific approach to a lot of things that maybe uh we we used to rely on instincts for Mm -hmm. so you go back to like the aces score the adverse childhood experience score we need to know that number for every student Mm. in every school in the system uh not just rely on well johnny cuts up so he sits in the back like no there's (laughs) some more going on there that we need to know about same thing with curriculum we don't have to guess about how to teach children to read or uh, saying that, well, they're just not a good reader. That's not acceptable. Like we know how to teach children to read. When they are having troubles, we know how to intervene. Mm-hmm. So uh, just being a little more scientific about that so that students don't fall through the cracks. Mm-hmm. Well,
0: Jared, that's um, that's an encouraging thing. Sure. Uh, that the resources are available. It's just do we choose to use them? Yeah. Um, well, Jared, thank you so much for making the time to come on the podcast today. And, and thank you for helping to make Jackson a more educated place.
1: Absolutely. It's my home, so it's a lot of fun.
0: Today's podcast was hosted by Kevin Adelsberger. Our intro music was performed by Aaron Harden. It was recorded live at The Co. To find out more about The Co., visit their website at www.attheco.com. To find out more about Our Jackson Home and to read more about how amazing Jackson is, visit rjacksonhome.com.